Welcome to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. Uh, this is Andy Forbes with the Capgemini North America Salesforce practice, and I am talking to Mike King, the Chief Technical Architect for the Capgemini North America Commerce Cloud practice. It's great to be back, Andy. And Matt Francis, a Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and Capgemini Vice President and Chief Salesforce Architect. Andy, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to talk about managing project risk today. Mike, let's start with you and commerce projects. For your projects, what do you do to keep risk at an acceptable level? In our commerce projects, the, there are a couple of aspects of risk that we focus on managing for our clients. The first one, and in some sense, the easiest one to manage is, is the project risk, the delivery success. What are they going to get? When are they going to get it? How much is it going to cost? We spend a lot of time refining our process, our checkpoints, our deliverables to essentially come as close as you can in an IT world to saying, if we do things this way in this sequence, then we're going to get this project done on time and, and on budget. Obviously, there's always a possibility things could go wrong, but this gives us the earliest possible visibility into those risks and the best opportunity to address and manage them. Then there's also risks like site reliability. Are things going to be up when you need them? Are you going to be able to sell on Black Friday? If you send out an email blast and your customers come to your site, are they going to have a good experience? So being able to manage that aspect of the risk in terms of reliability and support is important for our clients so they know we're, we're here for them. And then finally, there's, there's the business impact of a project. Managing, measuring, and understanding the risk of a major transformation like launching a new e-commerce site What's that going to do to your customer's ability to find your site? When they find your, when they go to your site, are they going to know how to access their order history to, to manage their account? Are they going to have a good brand experience and feel comfortable and familiar and refer you to their friends? We want to make sure that we are talking about all of these things with our clients, that we have metrics around things like SEO and conversion discoverability. We understand how the work that we're doing is impacting those things so that we can adjust, pivot, improve as things develop. Matt, how do you manage risk for your Salesforce projects? Yeah, Andy, I think the uh, the risk that we really look at, um, a lot of times on a Salesforce platform, we're looking at sales or service or marketing transformation. Um, and Salesforce has invested a lot in specific financial services cloud, uh, gov cloud, manufacturing cloud, health cloud. So, you know, one of the risks we look at is, is our client asking us to uh, build something that may be in the Salesforce you know, uh, roadmap? So we really want to be aligned to the Salesforce roadmap. We don't want to just build it uh, with custom code if we can configure it. We don't want to custom build it if it's in the roadmap around a specific industry cloud or capability that Salesforce has. And Salesforce has gone so deep and so broad. It's really important. And we spend a lot of time with our architects to make sure they understand uh, the whole Salesforce ecosystem and work with Salesforce directly, um, both in the sales and the delivery side of the engagement. I think the other part of it is a lot of our customers are, are you know, sometimes moving from some sort of legacy application that maybe they, you know, customize for 10 years or 15 years and are looking to lift and shift it to Salesforce. And we want to sit back and make sure, you know, we both are jointly aware of the outcomes that we want to achieve. And we're both very aware of the you know, build it versus buy versus configure, you know, COTS type decision-making um, of what you're buying Salesforce for. Have you seen Lightning? Have you seen Lightning Flow? Have you seen 
build service lightning? Have you seen the capabilities, you know, more out of the box? Let's show them to you. Um, also in the project itself, let's make sure we configure something, show you what out of the box looks like, have that conversation with you um, and the key stakeholders in your organization. So organizational change management is huge. You know, you're moving from something that may be on premise and maybe something you spent a decade building and it's very custom uh, and very specific to your business. Are you okay giving some of that up to go with something that's being innovative three times a year and has a huge number of new capabilities that are coming out all the time. We want to make sure you get the benefit and the advantage of using that Salesforce roadmap. That's why you're buying the licenses. So we work very hard with you to make sure that you know the roadmap, you see it, you invest in configuration over coding as much as you can. Now, sometimes we'll have to do lightning or web components, um, but we want to keep that to a minimum. So that's really kind of future-proofing your investment in Salesforce. Now, and keeping in mind our clients and potential clients will be listening to this podcast, let's talk about how to manage risk when the client wants us to use their in-house project methodology. Matt, would you like to go first? Yeah, Andy. So we definitely do both. We have our own methodology and set of DevOps tools and, and standards that we've taught our associates to use and follow. But there's a lot of times where we go on a client and they have their own methodology, their own tools. Uh, and, and really the big part of that is up front in the sales cycle and, and maybe during discovery as well. We understand what those tools are, the, the methodology. We train the team on them. And what I would say is we're making sure we're covering all the areas that are, are important. So requirements, traceability, uh, you know, all the way from epics down to actual functional technical requirements. Do we have access to the right systems? Are we using source control and versioning? Uh, are we using all the DevOps standards and best practices? Uh, so if you have multiple uh, projects going on in a program, we're not stepping on each other's toes. Are we doing the right uh, environment refresh uh, strategy? Are we making sure that we're communicating at a, at a program level and a project level and coordinating? Uh, I think the biggest problem is uh, we see is a lot of our clients' methodologies and tools don't address all those concerns. So we do a lot of work up front if you're going to have your own methodology and your own tools to make sure that they do cover all these areas to reduce the risk. Uh, and then I think it's just more of enabling the team to understand the methodology, the tools, and how they are similar or different than our own. Mike, on the commerce side, how do you all manage it when a client wants you to use their in-house project methodology? Well, the first thing that we do is make sure that our clients understand why we have a particular methodology in place that you know we've done hundreds of B2C commerce implementations on Salesforce Commerce Cloud for various sites all over the world, brands, holding companies, um, basically every kind of combination and permutation you can do on the platform. And we have really, through a lot of retrospectives and learnings, figured out what it takes to make these projects successful. So we can we can go a long way with that and have that conversation with with our client and if we're doing a b2c commerce site in isolation then it really doesn't make a lot of sense to do it any other way now where it gets a lot more interesting is when we are engaging with a client that has a very mature process and is involving us or we are a part of a much larger transformation, whether that's entirely Capgemini or client or various you know, parties that are engaged to do different parts of the solution. When that happens, 
there's just a lot more going on than than commerce and the, the delivery methodology may have to morph to incorporate things like internal client change management and infosec reviews and um, coordination with other dependent parties like like their data teams and so when we when we are in those those complex engagements the important thing is that we understand and communicate about the project methodology upfront so we come to the client and say here are the things that we know need to happen to make this project successful on the commerce side now how can we work those and weave those into the methodology and workflow that that you need to support all the other work streams that are going on or to be familiar to your team and have those conversations up front so everybody buys in and everybody agrees and gets what they need to be successful um, that that works a whole lot better than just kind of going sprint by sprint and, and hoping it comes together which obviously has some challenges mike for commerce, how do you support the organizational change management needed for the client to build their own in-house operational support and development team? Thanks, Andy. It, it, the, our job when we work with a client on an engagement is always to find a way to make that client successful, to make that project successful. And defining what it means for a project to be successful is an important part of, of kicking off any new engagement. For some clients, a part of what it means for a project to be successful is for it to end with their in-house team managing the project or taking over ongoing support or being involved in the project or having some level of understanding, responsibility, or accountability for the finished product long-term. Maybe that means upskilling some of their technical staff. Maybe that means getting them more deeply involved in administrative tasks. Whatever it means, we discuss that up front and just and make sure that there's a plan for it. For technical enablement, what makes the most sense is if, a, if they have in-house development staff that they want to take over long-term responsibility for the platform that we are helping them to implement, then they get embedded with our teams. They work alongside of us after some basic intro training and they start doing bug fixes in existing code base, building small new features, getting feedback from our technical review team, and then gradually increasing their knowledge, understanding, skill, and experience to the level that they are comfortable with, whether that means eventually taking over the code reviews for the whole team, build management, the release process, designing and architecting new features, and, and perhaps even taking over all of support and then just bringing us in when they have large projects that, that require a bigger team in a, in a shorter time period than their in-house staff can support. Whatever that line of transition is, is what we want to help our client be successful in reaching. Um, where things get challenging is when, um, when someone wants to just kind of rip off the Band-Aid and the day or the week or the month after go live, just they're going to take over the whole site and, and run it. Um, you know, that's always a possibility. We are working on the client's behalf. However, um, without the right transition plan, there's a lot of risk and downtime in the commerce world is expensive. It hurts reputation. And, and we just want to make sure that, that that plan is in place to be smooth and successful. Let's talk about risk management at the work stream level. For example, when I'm running a project where the client wants to run UAT, uh, what I need to sort out with them up front is who's writing the test scripts, 
who's going to set up the sandbox, the data, the integrations, who's going to set up the users, who's going to support UAT, given that a, a surprisingly large number of the, the defects are actually just user error because it's a new system. I deal with this on my projects by making very clear, either in the statement of work or in discovery long before UAT starts, about the, the roles, responsibilities, and schedule. Getting alignment long before it's impactful or causes perceived extra work for people is generally fairly successful at making sure when we get to UAT, we all understand uh, what we need to do, us and the client both. Uh, so Matt, turning to you, when you've got a client that's going to provide the integration team, that's going to provide the, the teams that are going to do the development on the other endpoints, and that's going to run system integration testing, how do you manage that? What, what do you do to make sure that you can basically manage, you're not managing the work, but kind of manage the, the interface to the client team? Yeah, I think the key here is with any, any program that has multiple work streams like integration, uh, or data, which I think is one of the most critical pieces for a successful Salesforce implementation is really around, is it integrated with the overall plan? Are there two different groups with two different plans doing their own thing, or are they combined into one plan? And even if it's not down to the work, you know, the work task item level, and it's at, uh, you know, more of a milestone level, I think it's really important to see that. And I think what gets us in trouble is when we're reporting statuses across work streams and we find out later in the program that the, you know, the one work stream status is not accurate. So what I'd say to that is we need to go in, if it's, if it's integration, for example, uh, early in the project, it needs to start. It doesn't start at the end of the project. It starts in the beginning. Data's, data integration is one of the most complicated pieces. Uh, so it needs to start day one. It needs to be in discovery. It needs to start during build uh, pretty much immediately. And then we need to see the progress throughout the program. We need to actually visually see that this integration, this interface has been done. In a lot of cases, the problem is we're, we're waiting on a team that may be overloaded and they may have a lot of other integration work to do for other projects. And they may, you know, we want to make sure that that status is accurate. We want to make sure we're visually inspecting what is being done. We're making sure that for data migration, for example, we're migrating the entire data set in the Salesforce world, moving you know tens of millions or fifty million, hundred million uh, records over into a UAT environment can take time, and so we need to actually do that and know how long it takes to do that. For example, it could take, uh, depending on the environment, it could take a few hours, it could take a few days, um, and depending on the volume. So it's really important to simulate that integration, that data migration, many times with a full data set, with a full integration set before UAT. So really important, A, that it's part of an integrated uh, project plan. B, that we're visually inspecting it and doing QA on it uh, throughout the project life cycle and that the status is accurate and that we simulate the full environment uh, many times before we get to UAT. We don't want to get to UAT and have bad data or have interfaces that aren't working or have to wait on migration. So those are the key things that I look for. Great guys, Matt, Mike, thank you for your time today. Thanks Andy, really appreciate it. Yeah, our pleasure, thank you.
You've been listening to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. To learn more about Capgemini and Salesforce, go to www.capgemini.com forward slash partner forward slash Salesforce. 